0: Calling all detectives. When a stock market analyst called a market friend wrong, what it cost him was his own life. That is the situation on this page from my casebook. The casebook of Jerry Browning, private detective. Take a tip from me, Jerry Browning, private detective it's never safe to make any predictions. The stock ticker at one corner of the office was writing out a combination of letters and numbers. But John Pettigrew, the stock market analyst, didn't hear it. Because he was dead. His body lay slumped over the desk. His hand dangling over the side of his chair still held the gun. While the Homicide Squad men went through their routine movements, I talked with pink-cheeked, white-haired Harold McCormick, head of the Securities Exchange Board. Mr. Browning, this proves that a man can become so engrossed in his work that he loses all sense of comparative values nodded. Yeah? I guess you're right, Mr. McCormick. The suicide note seems to be genuine. Under the circumstances, just what do you expect me to, do? McCormick looked uncomfortable. Uh, Don't misunderstand me, Mr. Browning. I'm sure Pettigrew killed himself because the market analysis he sent out to his subscribing clients proved completely inaccurate. However, I would like to know why he made so complete a mistake. I kept staring at the stock ticker, which had stopped working altogether. This thing hasn't been working much. I suppose that means a dull market session. Yes, it does. The market is sluggish and off a bit. Instead of being very active and sharply up, it's the first time in three years that Pettigrew has failed to predict a major trend accurately. And as you read from his suicide note, it preyed on his mind to the point where he took his own life. I turned my back on the stock ticker. I'll accept the case, Mr. McCormick. But I warn you, I don't believe a man would kill himself over one error of judgment in three years. A well-known stock market analyst appeared to have taken his own life because the report he sent out was wrong. There was nothing I could do in Pettigrew's office while the police were working there, so I went on down to the securities exchange floor. It didn't take an expert to realize that there wasn't much of anything doing at the moment, but about ten minutes later, several newcomers came onto the floor. And minutes after that, for no reason that I could see, the whole floor suddenly came to life. Men were shouting across the room to one another, wig-wagging signals and dashing about wildly. Alongside of me, Harold McCormick, head of the Securities exchange board, shouted into my ear, This is a stone. The bull market has arrived only 48 hours after Pettigrew predicted that it would. Mr. McCormick's name got me a swift interview with Tom Caldwell, who was supposed to be the smartest stock trader in town. Mr. Caldwell, I guess you made a lot of money on today's bull market. Would you mind giving me some idea of how you figured out that a price rise was in the offing? Caldwell leaned back in his chair and laughed. <laughs> simple, Browning, very simple. I paid John Pettigrew fifteen hundred a year for his market analysis service, and I have implicit faith in him. He predicted this rise, and I merely rolled with the tide. I sighed. Mr. Caldwell. Don't you know that Pettigrew killed himself this morning because he thought his analysis was all wrong? No. I didn't know. I had no idea. Well, you know now. Rude, cynical Joe Morton is the financial editor of the Daily Sentinel. He told me, Jerry, nobody knows what makes the stock market go up or down. Some people base their market fluctuation systems on sunspot cycles. You think I'm kidding, but that's a sober proof. The fact is, if enough people think it'll go up, it goes up. And the opposite is just as true. I'm sorry, Jerry, but that's all I can tell you. I spent what was left of the day interviewing half a dozen or so market analysts. And the gist of what they told me was, obviously, sir, the market will go up when it doesn't go down or stabilize within tight limits. My prediction for this month was optimistic with cautious overtones and suggested that after a necessary readjustment period, changes might be anticipated in one direction or another. In other words, you didn't come right out and predict a sharp market increase the way Pettigrew did. Well, no, I didn't. Nobody did, except Pettigrew. At police headquarters, Lieutenant Dawson told me... Jerry, we haven't been able to find out where Pettigrew got a revolver. He certainly didn't have a permit to own one. Dawson, I think Pettigrew was murdered. And what's more, I don't think it's going to be too hard to find out who did it. Mr. McCormick, the head of the Securities Exchange Board, looked unhappy as the police accountants began working their way through the list of the day's stock transactions. This is very irregular. I only consented to meet you gentlemen here in the interests of justice, and I trust you realize the very highly confidential nature of these records. Don't worry, Mr. McCormick. The only person we're after is a murderer. Dawson came over me. We've got all the figures, Jerry. You were right. I turned to McCormick. I'm sorry, sir, but I'll have to ask you to come with us. Tom Caldwell, the stock trader, had a fine, big home in one of the best suburbs. He told Dawson, Yes, Mr. Pettigrew and I were very good friends. As a matter of fact, we spent several days together up at my hunting lodge, and he seemed in very good spirits at the time. I smiled at him. Mr. Caldwell, the two of you got back only last night, didn't you? I didn't wait for his answer. You left for your hunting lodge immediately after Pettigrew prepared his market letter and sent it out to his subscribers. Since you didn't return until last night, it was not until this morning that Pettigrew learned what was in his letter. Caldwell turned pale. I don't understand you, Mr. Browning. Since Pettigrew wrote his own letter, he obviously knew its contents. I shook my head. Not this time he didn't. Because the letter that went out was not the letter he wrote. Pettigrew let no one see his letters in advance, lest any news of his predictions leak out. That's why you could work a substitution, because you were the only man he trusted. You prepared a false letter, predicting a general market rise, knowing that Pettigrew's prestige would create such a rise, at least temporarily. That's why today, while all other traders were buying, you were selling stock you had bought last week in anticipation of this rise. And that's also why you forced Pettigrew to write a suicide note at gunpoint and then killed him so that he could not repudiate the counterfeit letters sent out over his signature. Mr. Caldwell, you're under arrest for murder. We had to pile up a lot of evidence to make him do it. But finally, Caldwell did confess. We drank the revolver to him. We proved that Caldwell had taken the Pettigrew market letters to the post office. In fact, we did everything but find the original Pettigrew letters, which Caldwell had destroyed. The market went into a nosedive following Caldwell's arrest. Then, the next day, it started a three-week climb that carried it to a new high for the year. And don't ask me why. Sunspots, maybe. Like I said, stock markets may be unpredictable, but when it comes to crime, you can't ever sell justice short. Listen next time to Calling All Detectives. Mystery drama, mystery quiz, and a chance for you to match wits with yours truly, Jerry Browning, Private Detective. Great news. For a limited time, you can get one month free of Spectrum Mobile service. That's right, one month free with any new line. This exclusive offer is only available at select Spectrum stores, so stop by today. Our team of mobile experts are ready to help you switch and save hundreds on your mobile bill. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. Come see us at Market at Hilliard, Taylor Square, and Waterloo Crossing. Spectrum internet and auto pay required. Restrictions apply. Visit store for details.